You're listening to the Birds on Power Lines podcast, and we're so glad you found us. In this installment, we're continuing our discussion of the third part of the Doctor Who 60th anniversary special, The Giggle. If you missed the first conversation, we hope you'll go back and listen to that podcast as well. If you recall, we were so excited about the third part of the series and wanted to talk about by generation and the entire story arc that we decided to go through the parts of the special in reverse order. And now I'll let you get back to our conversation on The Giggle. And speaking of marionettes, in the scene with John Logie Baird's assistant and the doctor, well, I wasn't as personally freaked out by that one than I was with the one with uh, Donna and Stooky Sue. Um, That scene, I think really definitely we saw the doctor very freaked out, maybe not quite as freaked out as he was when he was actually directly confronting um, the toy maker, but definitely, I think he, he definitely was very, like, very nervous, very, like, on edge during that entire interaction, and I think, especially after the toy maker did that weird stuff and turned, uh, the assistant into, like, a representation of the doctor himself, um, as a marionette, I think he definitely got much more like very like not uneasy um, after that interaction, and I think that part of the reason why that may have happened was because the doctor like we we already established that he doesn't like feeling like tied down. He wants to just keep moving, keep going, and I would assume with that he also wouldn't really like to feel like under control of someone or something he wants to just he really values his freedom he values his ability to go wherever do things fix things and i think he feels that if he loses to the toy maker then he'll be trapped like stuck forever in something that he can't control and i think that he in a way is a bit worried of what will happen if he does like lose control over all of these aspects of his life and everything catching up to him eventually and that really that that really i i that, that really struck something like when i was watching it like and i really felt that like personally as someone who like really is worried about the future in in general um that really hit home for me when I was watching that but I don't know how you read that whole interaction but I that's that's how I read it and it really 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 spoke to something yeah that's an interesting thought I, I wasn't really thinking of him in that terms as like being trapped by the toy maker I mean I know he did say that in the toy maker's reality, it, it kind of unraveled him because it just didn't follow any rules that he could understand, right? I mean, other than the the rules of the game, I guess. So, I mean, I guess maybe, I mean, that's, 
that's really a good thought. I, I think when I was watching it, I was taking it more, you know, with the with the marionette becoming the doctor, um, thinking it more like the, that the toy maker was letting him know that he was that the doctor was under under his control, right? He could control whatever the doctor did and uh, and make him do anything that he wants. So I think in that regard, I guess it is sort of being the same thing like you're saying, being trapped, right? Being under the control of, of the toy maker. And he's really desperate, of course, to escape. And that's why he just went running away out of like absolute fear and maybe you know, to try and help Donna worry where Donna was and as he always does, you know, and then, but ironically, you know, during the card game, the toy maker admitted that there was something that even scared him. And I, I guess that's foreshadowing for something. I, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Doctor Who, obviously, to even guess what the toy maker is afraid of, you know, but in terms of Donna, I mean, when he she was with uh, Stooky Sue and the Babbies, I mean, honestly, I think she's pretty secure in her, with herself. And I, I don't really think that she needs saving. Um, I guess that's what she was trying to tell the doctor in that really touching scene when they were talking in the hallway, right? And, you know, the doctor was saying, I, I don't know if I'll be able to save you this time. And she was saying, well, maybe I'll save you, right? And I guess in the end, that's what she ends up doing. And I and I just thought that was sort of an interesting twist to that. And, and you know, and she was giving the doctor advice because he was saying, oh, you know, I won that game. So odds are, you know, I think the first game. So the odds are that I'm not going to win the second one. And then Donna was you know, pretty surely telling him that that's not how it works because games don't have a memory. So I just thought that whole interaction was, you know, one, one you know, talking about in the hallway, right? Because, you know, one that really showed the vulnerability of the doctor and his whole state of mind at that point and questioning, you know, what was he all about and who was he really without all of his toys? And Donna was already saying, you know, I'm going to be here to save you. And I really thought that that was that was pretty amazing. And I I really think that that is really exemplified when Donna was with, like I said, with Stooky Sue and the Babbies, because she really took control of that situation. And and it, I think that it startled her, but I don't think she was afraid. I don't get the sense that she's actually afraid of much. <laughs> I mean, she can be surprised and confused, but I you know. She made short work of Stooky Sue and put the babbies in their place. So, yeah, uh, pretty cool. And, of course, I know those doll things and those puppets really kind of freak you out. And I, I think they freak everyone out. They're designed to be that way. They're pretty freaky looking. So, but, yeah, if you look online and you see what Stooky Bill actually really looked like, it looks pretty much like those puppets. So, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. That really made me think about why, like, I and also probably many other people are so really afraid or freaked out of uh, by puppets. And especially, like, marionettes like Stooky Bill and Stooky Sue and the Stooky Babbies. And, I mean, I think it's because we almost perceive these puppets as being lifelike and alive and animated. But we know 
we know conceptually that they're not real so they kind of venture into that almost like uncanny valley like territory where like I was how I was thinking with the doctor where humans we're afraid of feeling like we're being controlled by something or someone kind of like that saying like oh you're just like a puppet on a string and I feel like kind of the fact that the puppets look like humans or look close enough to humans that we would perceive them as such but the whole absence of like a human like in the representation of the puppet the fact that we don't really know what is controlling us controlling it or who is controlling it that's really the true scary part of the whole like just interaction with Stooky Sue that I felt that Donna had even though he, he didn't know who really or really what the toy maker was but regardless of that she still was able to overcome her initial like shock of seeing this scary like puppet and she initially said oh you're not real this isn't real and I think because she was able to really come to terms with the fact that this is not I mean it could have been real on on a certain level but she knew that this what was happening to her was only temporary she didn't let the fear of whatever that freaky thing that was going going on with Stooky Sue she didn't let that fear control her I think that really speaks to how strong Donna is as a character and why she is such a good like friend for the doctor to have and why she's so important in this whole story yeah I I know I agree with you that people can be pretty creeped out by things that are kind of real and not quite real when it comes to looking kind of human and, and marionettes and I guess that's why some people are creeped out by clowns I guess I, I I mean I'm not creeped out by clowns but I know you've told me that but you know what you were saying kind of reminds me about um th this is off topic but that the animation from the Polar Express that Tom Hanks Christmas movie you know I I know when that first came out I was reading that a lot of people were kind of found the animation a little unsettling because it was it was pretty lifelike like you could tell it was Tom Hanks and you could tell that you know the, the people were almost looking right but the fact that they weren't quite right actually kind of you know unnerved some people anyways I just thought of that when when we were talking about you know the feeling about the marionettes and uh the Stooky family but yes, the doctor clearly loves the noble family, and and I think that Donna's strength is just a, you know another example of you know the 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 strength of that entire family, and you know and he clearly loves them a lot, and of course that's why he ends up you know healing himself with them. But you know at the beginning of the episode when they get out of the TARDIS and he sees Wilf and he's just so happy and you know being reunited with him i just wish they had more time for that reunion because right away he gets taken away into the chaos of what's going on in the world and, and is confronted by this the the insanity of what's going on and then you know in the entire meantime while that nonsense is going on with everybody thinking they're right and fighting and doing all kinds of crazy stuff there's the toy maker just dancing through it loving every minute of his game right 
and then finally getting whisked off to the unit. I, I just, it was just quite, quite fast and exciting, but yeah, I just wish he had a little bit more time with Wilf. Thinking about the doctor's interaction with Wilf and then being whisked off and all of the other things that happened right afterwards, to me is another case where art imitates life. And, you know, we're in our life and, and you know, we have these, these really precious interactions that are really important. And these are just so few and far between, it seems, between all the other things that are distractors from those important things. But of course, with the doctor, it's just heightened, right? And that's why they're always saying that he just runs from one thing to the next. And Donna's like telling him that you, you need to stop and you need to, you need to look after yourself. And, and I think that's a message for all of us really, but you know, obviously the doctors, as you could see in this episode, literally having a, a, a precious moment. And then very, very quickly afterwards, this tiny moment of time, and then off he goes running from, from, you know, in the street, trying to save people and then being whisked off to the unit. It's just incredible. If you think about it, and, and it really comes back to what I think is the whole theme of this episode, and that's, you know, trying to take time and take care of yourself and understanding about, you know, you know, things that happen in your life. And it's, it, it's just, things just happen and you have to learn how to, to, to keep living and existing and being happy and, and understanding how things are, what things mean. And then, of course, when he gets to the unit, who does he see but Mel, right? He has this, again, a, a fleeting moment of joy when he sees Mel and, and he hugs her and, you know, everything is just wonderful. And then all of a sudden things get pretty serious pretty quickly. But I mean, of course, who can blame the doctor for like rushing all the time? Because he's often the only person who can save like this planet or that species or whatever. And I mean, if he's guilty of that then i'm sure i mean i know i personally am also very guilty of that and i'm sure pretty much everyone is because we always feel like the world is kind of on our shoulders and but the doctor's been feeling like that for like centuries and that's definitely like a, a very big lesson that both he and like countless other characters have to learn like throughout the course of really all, all three of these episodes but especially this last one that like the world might be or might feel like it's on your shoulders all the time but in reality there are people who are there who are willing to like help you take on this burden so like for example now the 14th doctor also has the 15th doctor and of course like donna stuck by him the entire time and like she, she was phenomenal and everyone in unit like Kate Lesko Stewart and like everyone really just put like put everything down and said how can we help and it, like it's, it's even shown that like the doctor was able to override all the commands of every world leader like in, in unit there's a special like code for him that he, he has much like he 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 does much more than he gives himself credit for and there are people who are willing to give him that credit like that the credit that he deserves for being such like a really impactful person like across the galaxy really or across all of time and space not even the galaxy and that really i think is a, a very big 
like one of like a, a very big theme in this episode where like it, it's important to understand that there are people who are there who are willing to help you take the time you need to heal yourself and are willing to take on the responsibilities that you feel you have to carry by yourself all the time in order to like help you as you help them in, in terms of the doctor. But that really drives the point of the toy maker, like not taking things seriously. It really drives that home for me. And it's because like everyone's like in crisis control mode and here, here he is just lip syncing and having a grand old time murdering people just for the fun of it and really just in general enjoying himself. And it's really quite amazing how like serious Toymaker becomes when he actually does care, but he only really cares about like his games. And I think like his entire like character, his personality acts as like almost like a foil to the whole like concept of the doctor, like where the doctor's reasonable and like charitable, the toy maker is kind of like chaotic and unpredictable. And like, I, I think that kind of serves to almost humanize the doctor. Like they're not like truly like an, an, like an all powerful being because like the doctor isn't really done with living life like that's why like a lot of a lot of times like the sentiment of every doctor when before they regenerate is like i don't want to go i still have things to do here i'm not done yet and i kind of feel like since the toy maker is so powerful he's like he's just bored and he's like just taking that out on like anyone and everyone whereas like the doctor is just a really really old entity who helps wherever they can because they're still like full of like really wonder, I guess, like wonder at the world and like a desire to see more, explore more, meet new people, go on more adventures and whatnot. And I really just feel like, yes, the doctor does go a bit fast, like all the time, but I think that's because they just are so like excited to, be alive and yes they've seen so many things and they really do need time to heal from all of that but even like at the end of it all like when like the 14th doctor sacrificed himself he thought he was going to sacrifice himself um and then he biogenerated he i guess he had come to terms with the fact that at least it seemed to me he had come to terms with the fact that he had another chance and he did as much as he could but there are more important things than like waiting for him in the future and waiting for everyone else in the future that he cannot allow the toy maker to completely like destroy like because he still cares about he cares about Donna he cares about everyone and it, it's really that he cares so much that he doesn't want to stop moving even though he does have to that's kind of how it seems to me yeah i i i agree I, I mean you've said more than i was like there's you know i think you've thought about it even more than i i was looking at it and yeah i, I exactly and and i believe that you know that beautiful moment when you know the 15th doctor is comforting the 14th do doctor you know when he actually you know when 14th actually rests his head on on the 15th and i think that this that was such an iconic view of, of 
how much he really needed needed to accept himself you know because he's essentially comforting himself right and like i said i think that is really just a, a, such a, 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 a i said iconic but i i really think that that is and it really shows the doctor actually grow i know that sounds weird that the show's been on for so long but i think he's really grown in this way you know and you know that is like i said you know one of many images that is going to stick with me from this this episode you know perhaps not as poignant but um you know just thinking about that part where you know you see the helicopter and the tardis is hanging from the helicopter you know going over over the city and i, I just that i thought that wow and and i mean that really was spectacular because I mean, the TARDIS is actually another character, right? I mean, you know, it, this is another being, right? I mean, we can't forget about that. And that sort of, you know, highlights that and lets everyone focus on the TARDIS. And, and I just thought that was such an amazing, amazing thing to see. And, and we've already talked about talking about, you know, legendary, what I think is going to be legendary scenes, you know, the, the appearance of the toy maker at the unit, of course, and then, of course, you know, by generation. Um, you know, then in addition to that, it was that game of catch between, you know, the, the two doctors and the toy maker. I, I, again, like there's just so many moments in this third installment of the anniversary special that I just, I think is going to, are going to stick with me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any more to add to that? I, I, <laughs> I just, I, I'm sure there's just so many, but those are the ones that really, you know, highlight in my mind things that I would want to remember from this episode. I agree about that scene where they're playing catch, because like, I think the cutting between all three of them catching and throwing really serves to get the audience more involved. And I just love the energy. I mean, like, otherwise who would sit through an epic, like three minute villain battle scene where like all they do is just throw a ball around. But I think my favorite scene happened when 14 is just like sitting with the nobles in the garden and like just generally enjoying life and eating while he's reminiscing about the past and calling relatives to like his grand or his uh, favorite niece and whatnot. Um, and just like reminiscing about his past adventures and like specifically really when he told uh, everyone that he had given the moles in the yard a force field so that Wolf wouldn't be able to hurt them. Because I think it really just showcased um, his enti- like the entire character of the doctor. Because the doctor, like they do save the world, like whatever world that is, thousands of times, but they're at their best when they do like really just small things to improve the lives of others, like no matter how insignificant it might seem. And especially like the people they care about. And it really was just very sweet to see 14 get a happy ending, especially since like, I know the first time that we watched the, the episode, um, we totally expected something like terrible to happen to him until like the end credits rolled. Yes, absolutely. I mean, who would have thought that an epic battle would have been a game of catch? And it was just so exciting to watch. I mean, that was just fantastic. So yeah. And, you know, it was really, really, really satisfying to have a happy ending for the doctor. And, and 
yeah it's true we were we were watching all the way to the end thinking oh this can't be really happening and then it was just so nice that it it actually ended and nothing disastrous ended up happening <laughs> he really did have his happy ending so that you know number 14 now can essentially convalesce and and heal and let 15 go on and have all of those amazing adventures but you know what really gets me thinking about it because you know donna was saying that she didn't see at first she didn't see what was in the doctor's mind but then at the end she actually did see so it makes you wonder if if she was just saying that because she wanted him to actually come out and say it himself or maybe at first she couldn't see it and she was piecing it together and then eventually was able to figure it all out um i don't know but you know the other thing that was also great was that there was a doubling of the tardis and in wild blue yonder right you know we we find out that she can escape if she's scared right so with the doubling of the tardis maybe that's even allowing for the tardis to heal because obviously um she can also be afraid right and all of these things probably took uh, an amazing toll or a, a regrettable toll on the tardis itself um so yeah and it, like so there's just so much that was going on and if you think back on the other two episodes uh especially for me i guess in in wild blue yonder there was a lot of um in my mind foreshadowing for things that were coming so yeah maybe we should just you know get on with talking about black wild blue yonder right because honestly i've had that song in my head now for the last week so i think i think i'm ready to start talking about that Thanks for listening to our conversation about the third part of the Doctor Who 60th anniversary special. I think it's pretty obvious that we love the giggle. Listen for our next installments to catch our thoughts on Wild Blue Yonder and the Star Beast. We appreciate you being part of the Birds on Power Lines podcast. Take care of yourself. (laughs) 